a move of God in our generation. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next 12, maybe even 13 weeks. I'm Gary Wilkerson, and you've joined us here on the Gary Wilkerson Podcast, and I'm here today with my good friend Joshua, Joshua West. Glad to have you here with us again today. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Glad to be here with you. We've, we haven't seen much of each other in the yeah. last few weeks, so yeah, glad, good, to, good glad to be here personally, but also to do the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to this one. The last one we did was a 12-week series about the Word of God, how to read the Word for all that it's worth, and just growing in hunger for the Word. This one is kind of a hunger for a supernatural move of God, a move of God in our generation. And we talked about earlier before the podcast started, Joshua, how you know we, we've recognized, like, in every time there's been a revival or a spiritual awakening, a move of God, it, it, it kind of has marks that are different from the other um, Reformation Right, you, know, you were saying that was more what, like the Word of God, right? The it was a re- restoration to you know the Scripture, sola scriptura was kind of mm-hmm. even though it was salvation through grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, it was according to the Scripture alone. And I think you know the the Reformation made it possible for us to have Bibles in our hands. Yeah. So we all have Bibles in our culture today, or at least access to them. Yeah. So yeah, then you have the Great Awakening and and mm-hmm. these other revivals uh, that history shows that God moved in a mighty way. Yeah. And so now... <laughs> yeah, we're ready for another ready for another move of God. And, and just to maybe give some definitions, I, I think I see revival as a location. That church had a revival. There was revival in this city. Um, a spiritual awakening that is more national. Uh, that, that Like uh, the Great Awakening you just talked about, Jonathan Edwards was... A part of the uh, first Great Awakening. There's, like I said, there's two Great Awakenings in America, and then there's there's a, a move of God. I think is something that happens. It, it kind of spreads across. Like it happens. Pentecost was a move of God. It was an outpouring of God's spirit. But then there was this move. It's the people that got the outpouring of Pentecostal spirit on their life. They they spread that around the world, and it becomes global. And so the Reformation was probably a really a move of God as much as it was a Reformation. No doubt. Uh, no but doubt. yeah, so we're 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 contending, we're praying, we're believing for a, a move of God, and we're not really going to talk a whole lot about what that is or um, how how to conduct it or how right. to promote it. But really talk about some of the characteristics. Again, the Reformation characteristics, hunger for the Word of God, faith as opposed to works, uh, removal of a hierarchical system, the, you know, going to the, to the priest for confession. So there are several elements to it. The, the, we're going to be talking about maybe 12 or so elements, marks of, of a revival that I think we both believe this generation needs. It's going to look different than times of the past, but if, if there's, there's going to be a quickening of, of, of this this word of God coming alive. Now, it can come alive without a revival or spiritual awakening. An individual can get it, a church can get it, a small group can get it. But if we, if we are believing for something that uh, is, number one, accelerated, it, it, it takes us deeper into the things of God. So it, we love the word, but it accelerates the word. We love prayer, but it accelerates prayer. We love repentance, but it increases our hunger for repentance. And so that's what we're talking about here and these elements are things that I, I really believe with all my heart this generation needs. You know, it, it needs a move of God that looks different than um, maybe some of the stuff we've seen in the past. Um, and, and we're going to bypass some of the important things uh, because there, there are certain things that everybody knows. Um, right. If there's going to be a revival, a move of God, a spiritual awakening, there's going to be faithful preaching of the Word of God. Definitely. There's going to be repentance. There's going to be a call to holiness. There's going to be prayer. There's there's going to be 
um, you know, just all several different elements like that, uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit. But I'm, uh, what we're talking about here more, I, I think I would say, goes to the elements of, of the heart of Christ being expressed in a generation. And that's where we're going to talk about love and mercy and kindness and generosity, stuff like that. So, yeah, I think for for me, one of the things that is real important to to point out is, you know, one time in a sermon, your dad said that, you know, there's a difference between having something that happens that's like a firework that explodes, but then it disappears. Mm. And I think the marks of all these other moves of God, there was enduring fruit that came out of it. Yeah. You know, there was real... Um, something re- really shifted, something really changed. People yeah. really, you know, there was denominations and movements and mm-hmm. um, there was real fruit born out of it. And so I think that's the undergirding everything we're praying for and hoping for. We don't want a spiritual experience right. um, that that's here today and gone tomorrow. We want a revival of the heart and that starts in our heart, that spreads to the church, that mm-hmm. spreads to our culture. I think one thing that I, if I'm being completely honest, I, I could say this, um, you know, just to, I hope I don't derail where we're going, but um, personally, because I've seen so many, um, you know, manifestations and people chasing the supernatural, not for the glorification of Christ, but just for the mere sake of signs and wonders, um, you know, I, I'd have to confess and even repent of the fact that I, I probably had a period of time where I didn't pray for these things earnestly mm-hmm. um, because you don't want to be looped in with, yeah. you know, the crazies over there or the people that are misusing God's word. But the truth is, is why wouldn't we want to see God move in power mm-hmm. and do a, a miraculous work in a culture that we all can identify the problems of? We can we can look and say, this is going on and, and the young people are doing this and here's what culture looks like. But the world can do that too. Yeah. They, they can diagnose problems too. And we need a supernatural solution. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the last thing I would say in an introduction is this. That, that it's about the magnification of Christ. Yeah. And for the individual, it's about intimacy with Christ. Exactly. And, and I think that's what we want to give people. Yeah. We want it to be rooted in His Word. We don't want to preach a Christ that, that's disconnected from His Word. Um, but I, I don't want to be afraid to seek God to move in our culture sure. because there are other people doing it for wrong reasons or because they're deceived about mm-hmm. something. I want to see God move. And mm-hmm. I know I know that's your heart. That's yeah. that's been a driving force in, in our ministry ever since I've came to work with you is this idea of touching the hearts of, of the nation and of pastors. And that's why we do the conferences and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to talk yeah. about this. Oh, so cool. Um, just a little bit of background as we, uh, and, and I, I think those who are listening are, are going to be blessed and encouraged and maybe transformed by these next series of messages and, and conversations that we're having. Uh, because th- these, are, these are elements or marks that we're talking about that will be birthed in our heart or accelerated in our heart because of, of a move of God. He'll take these things and, and, and let them go to an extreme level. Uh, but, but just to background a little bit here. So as I, was, as I was looking at these things, humility, radical love, generosity, forgiveness, peace, peacefulness, you know, these are, if, if these are marks of the Christian in a spiritual form of awakening in their own life and in a church, 
these, these are some things I think this generation needs. Where does that come from? And that's just a little biblical uh, look at this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So he put man in a garden and said, You're going to be like me. You, you bear my image. And, you know, most theologians say, like, that image means we have a consciousness, God does. We have a will. Uh, we have desires that God has desires. It, it's it's kind of the emotional element. But if you look at the scripture, it really doesn't bear out, at least in the initial parts of the story. Maybe later on some of the initially it has to do, uh, it goes on, uh, he, he created them our image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, verse 28, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So these are like rule and reign. You're given a a task. So I almost wonder, maybe, you know, I don't want to, you know, twist scripture by any means, but you know, maybe, maybe this image has more to do with what we're going to, you know, spreading God's dominion, spreading God's rule, taking what He put in the garden. Uh, some historians say that, you know, the earth was created. You know, God created the earth, and then He put the garden in the middle of it. Put man in the garden. And then he told them, it's like, what you see in the garden, the beautiful flowers and the trees and just the waterfalls and stuff, take that, you know, the animals multiplying and spreading, take that and spread it around the whole world. You know, so, so maybe some think that the, the whole earth wasn't a garden, just, you know, and that, again, I think bears witness to this. So then, of course, there's the fall and the image is tarnished at least, if not corrupted, if not you know, you know. I think we still bear. We're still image bearers. Definitely. But this whole idea of being blessed, uh, fruitfulness, multiplication, filling, subduing, ruling, having dominion, uh, those things are, are missing from us. And then, just real briefly, I don't want to get preachy here, but that was lost for so many generations. And then in Christ Jesus, we see this powerful scripture verse in Colossians uh, 1.15. And speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created uh, and uh, created through him and for him. Uh, he is before all things and is all, in him all things hold together, that in everything he might come to have preeminence. So the idea here is Jesus has come back to, to bring God's original intentions and purposes on earth. Uh, to to demonstrate rules of submission, not not in a not the way Rome did or Herod did, not not with a sword, but a counterculture. And these are the elements we're talking about: humility, radical love. These, these are the counterculture. Jesus said, "This is what I'm going to spread. This is this is the garden now that I'm going to br bring out." So really, that's kind of what we're what we're talking about. Does that make sense at all? Oh, completely. Or? And I yeah. think you know two things that you mentioned about. You know, the image of God, the Imago Dei, is imprinted on us. We are made in the image of God. But the reason why um, even, you know, the smallest amount of sin, even though, you know, I believe we're totally depraved, it doesn't mean utterly. It doesn't mean there's no good in us right. or no ability to do good. It just means everything is stained by sin. And the reason why is because the image of God was meant to resemble perfection, yeah. And glory, and you know the even the sort of like countercultural nature of God, it's really counter sin culture. Like even in the Godhead, we see humility at work. You know, as they favor one another, as the Son submits to the Father, how the Father loved the Son from all eternity, yeah. how the Spirit, you know, magnifies Christ, and so it it really is. You know, I think sometimes 
we get away from the words like, you know, subdue the earth and take dominion because people who would be dominionist, yeah. they, they think about it in a worldly way, right. first and foremost, rather than a, a Christ honoring, Christ magnifying way. Yeah. But, but why wouldn't we want to see the supremacy of Christ, the beauty of Christ and all the attributes of God yeah. um, spread through the earth? And so I think we, we have to humbly look at the image of Christ as we pray and long for his kingdom to come and his will be done. Yeah. Because apart from that, it's not a matter of if we'll get mixed up along the way <laughs> yeah. as we're trying to, you know, that's the problem with every kingdom that's ever been in the world is exactly. even even the best king, even David, got yeah. his eyes off and, and got confused because there is only one rightful king. Yeah. And I think as we focus on that and think about a move of God, I think that's we're on the right track, the, the promotion, the dominion of Christ. Yes, the kingdom of God, but but it's Christ's kingdom. And I think that's the, uh, and, and that's the beauty because no matter how your eschatology plays out, um, you know, if you, how you look at the millennium or the reign of Christ, we can all agree on the fact that we're longing and looking for the day that Christ rules his people, yeah. that we're free of sin and yeah. And we want to see that in the earth to whatever degree God allows mm -hmm. until he comes back. That's right. That's you're, you're talking, Joshua, about really two kingdoms in a sense. Ever since the fall, we are created in his image to rule, subdue. Some of that image you're saying is left in us, right? Right. And so, but, it's, but, if, but, but if it's taken from the, the nature, the sin nature in us now, it ends up being like Cain who goes, he kills his brother, and then he goes and builds a city. His, I think his grandson or something, Lamech, uh, he, he builds another city, which some say ends up being Babel, Babylon. Uh, and so, so he is almost doing what God said his intended purpose was, ruling, reigning, subduing, uh, multiplying. He, he ended up having two wives, you know, the first guy to have more than right. one wife. So you see the same principles functioning, but from a totally different worldview. Uh, one's evil, corrupt. It's the the sword, but then you, Jesus comes along. So I'm going to turn those swords into plowsheds. You know, it's going to be a farming tool to spread, uh, the sub, subdue the earth and spread the kingdom elements. So the, 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 there's the kingdom of this world. The the, the Babel, you know, and the Book of Revelation is full of this whole thing of, you know, it, it says that, that finally God is going to destroy Egypt, which Egypt. You know, really isn't right. a world power right now, or Babylon, which is hard to even in existence. He's talking about, really, I think he's talking about a, a way of living in the world yes. where you're subduing by your own power. Kingdoms opposed to the kingdom of God, which really is just one kingdom. Pastor Joshua West here, co-host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I want to invite you to go to worldchallenge.org and listen to the latest sermon series from myself and from Gary Wilkerson. I think the biggest thing that, that, you know, as we pray for moves of God and to see God's kingdom come, I think a lot of times, you know, in the Western church, we've gotten really good at applying those things externally. Um, but, but we have to be very conscientious about applying, applying them internally um, to ourselves. And, and it's not like a one-time thing. I think it's, it's always testing our intentions. This is for the glory of Christ. I'm talking to myself here, like in everything I do, everything I do in ministry, everything I do in life, is this for the glory of Christ or has self, and, and many, many times when I'm not paying close attention to that, 
a little self, I'm starting to build my city. Yeah. I'm starting to, I don't have two wives, but you know, but I'm saying like, I'm starting to, to do it for my glory rather than for God's. And I think, I think we're foolish to think that that's not something because that is the sin nature. That's why we have to, we have to use Christ as the example and pray that the spirit of God would open our eyes to that. So because true. I think that's what stands in the way a lot of times mm-hmm. is we want to see this big move of God but we 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 have to keep our hands on it, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it and we want to make sure our denomination's banner is yeah, out front, yeah. and we want to give, but we want to make sure that we get the credit back for it. Yeah, and it's so subtle. Yeah, that's that's the that's the wor- the worldly way of doing kingdom, um, <clears throat> seeping into the Christian community, and us using the same tools: self promotion, self glory, manipulation, anger, um, control. You know, and so, so, you know, that's 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 the sad part. That's that's almost where the church has its own Babylonian culture to it. That no uh, doubt. It's, it's 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 you know, and, and you see that kind of, and it's not it's not what, you know. So so we have this perfect picture of what God intended in the garden, in Christ Jesus. That's what Colossians is telling us. He he's the invisible. Um, the in is the, he's the image. This is this is what I'm trying to do. And so then Jesus comes along and says, "Okay, here's what my kingdom looks like in contrast to the world's kingdom, or even the religious kingdom that's still trying to get fame and fortune and popularity and power and control and manipulation, tyranny. My kingdom is different, and and it's and I love the way he introduces it. He comes and Jesus inaugurates his ministry. The first thing he says is, "The kingdom of God is in your midst. Repent." And so he's very kingdom minded. You know, we tend to think of Jesus being, you know, um, repentance-minded, and he is, or uh, grace-minded, the cross-minded. He's all those things, but his his most predominant, by far, phrase is in his teaching always is kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom what of heaven. What the kingdom of heaven is like. Yeah, it's, it's like this, yeah. yeah. And, and all those things are very subtle. They're not—the kingdom of God is like— uh, a, a stick of dynamite that blew up the world, you know, right. or a nuclear explosion. It's it's a always, treasure hidden in a field. And yeah. when a man found it, yeah. he buried it and pearl, sold all he had so that he could yeah, a pearl, obtain the field. treasure, uh, yeah. a seed thrown into the ground. And so that's that's what we're gonna. Uh, that's why I'm so excited about talking about this because we're gonna get into those. What are these seeds of the kingdom? What are these? What what, what, this, what does this kingdom look like? What is this yeast that's getting in and has the potential not only to change our life, which that's the first place, these elements, when we're talking about radical love or humility or generosity or forgiveness, has to penetrate our heart first. Then we're going to go out and and subdue, uh, again, the exact opposite way the world subdues, they control and power. We get it underneath and, and lift up and, and bless and speak life into people's hearts and and that's to me what this next move of God, should there be a great outpouring of God's spirit, I think this generation is crying out in desperate hunger. We want something different. You know, we're tired of the showmanship. We're tired of the exploitation. We're, we're tired of the division. We're, you know, we, we want to go back to what Jesus is offering us by being in this image. So Amen. that's where we are, right? Amen. Yeah. So let's get right into it, huh? Yes, sir. You ready? First one is humility in a self-promoting culture. This is one of the things that we would say uh, is, is a mark. And I was intentional to put that first because I think if we don't get this, then we don't get the rest of these, uh, the radical love or uh, the, the, the generosity. The, the, these things come when when we get get to this place of humility and you know this is a you know as we're talking about the contrast between the, the generation and the culture we're living in and what Christ is 
sowing among us in the new kingdom. Uh, you know, he is the epitome of humility, right? No For, doubt about it. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, Philippians chapter two, exactly the great stooping go, yeah. down, you know, is this yeah. idea of, of the king of the world who spoke the world into existence, you know, to humbling himself into the likeness of his creation. You know, I think that is like, we, we just blow past that and don't think about the humility of Christ um, in, in, but, but here's something that, that I always like to mention when I talk about this. But even before he did the great stoop, <laughs> he was humble in heart. Mm. There's humility in the Godhead. Yeah. God, Christ was humble. There's, there's a humility. There's a meekness. There's a favoring. There's a, you know, that's where this unity and this love, this eternal love comes from. And so I think uh, I'm glad you did it first because we always um, have to, focus in on this uh, are you about to read philippians 2? yeah I, I can read it or you can but okay. the the you know i like what you're saying there joshua in the idea of the the, the godhead the trinity itself you, you may not just in, in um in your own mindset think of the godhead humility you almost think of okay well he came as a man that was an act of humility right but it's not part of his you know like an attribute of you don't often hear of an attribute of the Humility of God, but right. it certainly is, and I think you, you're spot on. It's is found in the other centeredness of the Trinity, yeah. uh, exalting <laughs> the Father exalts the Son, the Son exalts the Father, the both exalt the Holy Spirit, and, yes. and they're, they're constantly, you know, giving the glory to to the other. So that's that's a sign of humility right there. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Philippians two would be the best place to go to when we're talking about this. Um, in context, he's talking about unity, having the same mind, that's verse 2, having the same love, yeah. uh, 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 being in full accord with one another, one mind. And then verse 3 is, is both convicting and challenging and encouraging. Do nothing from rivalry, rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So he gives, the, the writer of Philippians gives a, a, a dynamic contrast uh, the world lives in revival, revival, rivalry and conceit. That's the way the world lives. But you do it a different way you, in humility. You're counting others more significant than yourself. And so, and then it begins to say in verse five, have this mind among yourselves. So, okay, he's about to say, uh, and I believe that speaks to the verses before it and the verses after. So he's already said, don't do it this way, do it this way. Have this mind, and then he goes to expand it even more among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Which I love that I, I circled yours in my Bible because <laughs> it's it's not mine in myself. I don't, I don't, uh, you know. We're, we're talking about the contrast between uh, humility and self promotion, and humility itself can be self promoting. You know, like, oh look how humble I am. I'm, I'm Virtue signaling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly. a big thing today yeah. where we want to, you know, we want to promote our humility. Yeah. And our generosity. And, and we think it's this necessary thing. I remember, you know, being in ministry, people telling me like, this is how you have to do it. You know, it's just how we do it in the church, but we're right. doing it for a greater good. Yeah. But feeling like, but I don't feel like that this is God's way and just being, you know, bat embattled inside because... I'm, I'm literally searing my conscience to do the work of God. That's not yeah. how it's supposed to be. Amen. And, I, so and I think the idea of, of look, at, look at the goodness we're doing, I think we have, 
we have to be so careful about yeah, that. Um, it's just that one is so creeped in, yeah. you know, to the church, this idea where the humble brag, you know, and we, <laughs> and even if we don't mean to, sometimes it's rooted in us so much that we just, or we partake in a system that we know isn't right, but we think, yeah. well, how else are we going to do it? Well, we're going to trust the Lord, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's very hard though. That's, that's my personal experiences. Even, even recently I was talking to a friend of mine, Matt Brown, and he began to speak to me about a revival that he was seeing take place. Um, and, and they asked me what my take was on revival. And I basically said like, Hey, you know, preach the word of God, um, walk in holiness, uh, pray, seek the Lord with all your heart, uh, love your neighbor. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's just normal Christian life. It's like, so I'm not really looking for revival. Uh, I don't go to revivals. I don't fly to some, you know, the place. <laughs> right. And, and when I got off the, 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 it was a podcast. When I got off it with him, I was like, Holy Spirit really convicted me. It's like, and it was really bizarre. It was like probably the strongest conviction I've had of sin in my life in a long time. It was God saying to me, Gary, how arrogant can you be? Like, oh, you don't need revival. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad, son, you've got it all together. You can read your Bible and pray, and, and you don't need this accelerated work of God. You don't need me to move in spirit and supernatural power yes. and bring you to new heights and new levels. And, man, I just, I really repented. And, I, and then I saw the contrast to that, 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 that arrogance and pride, this humility. But, but then, so I thought, okay, well, there's, there's this arrogance, there's this pride in my life. And, and pride always shows itself through uh, comparison and competition. Yep. And so I saw myself comparing, particularly when it came to social media, I was comparing right. myself to, oh, this person has this many followers, this one has that many. And then competitive, like, well, maybe if I do this, I'll get more. Do you see how that robs the, the uh, integrity of ministry? You're doing things now with an ulterior motive. That's the that's the kingdoms of this world. That's that's Babylon. Uh, that's Cain. That's no Lamb. No about it. And so, uh, so I got this this place. Okay, Lord, I repented. I just and so I thought, you know, just for safety's sake, I probably need to go off social media for a couple months at least, just so I'm not doing that. And every time I want to look at it and I don't. It reminds me, okay, Holy Spirit, keep me, keep walking this work of home. So I get on the phone with a friend about a week later, and I'm ex expressing the story to him, and I'm just saying, like, hey, Lord really convicted me, and uh, you know, just and I, I got off all social media. I don't look at Instagram. I don't. And as I'm telling him this, I'm I'm like boasting. Yep. I'm puffed up. I'm like, you should be like me. You you know, everybody should get off social media to show how holy you and righteous you are. So, you know, even our attempts, that's why this scripture is so important. Yes. Have, have this mind, not your mind, have this mind, um, uh, which is yours. It's in Christ Jesus. It's not in yourself because you'll just perpetuate cycles of different forms. You'll exchange one form. You know, you, you came from an addicted background. You know how, you know, I've heard your, your, your type of story yes. time and time again. You know, you'll get rid of one drug and start taking another. Or... I like to call it squeezing the balloon. You know, you think... <laughs> What's you that think mean? It's like if you ever had a balloon, say one of those long balloons yeah. like this, you know, you squeeze one side of it and it looks like the air's gone. You can hold it in your hand, right? But you really just squeezed it and to another place. And you can boast of this yeah, part. Yeah, look, 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 look at... There's look nothing at, there's there. There's nothing there, yeah. And, and it really is... You know, yeah. more about popping the balloon. Wow. And in our lives, we have to pop them over and over again. You know, one thing yeah. I, I learned in uh, addiction recovery was, you know, a lot of us idolize that, you know. And, and many of us idolize places where God has freed us, helped us, or healed us. And we think, well, I got the big one out of the way. Um, but, you know, as I've 
looked inward and let the Word of God wash me, I realized that I actually had some much more serious issues in my life than the fact that I was killing myself with drugs. That was actually more of a fruit of some other internal stuff inside of me. Yeah. And so um, one scripture I wanted to read just real quickly. I know we're, uh, we're running a little short on time, but I think James 4, 6 is, is very important here. James says, but he gives us more grace. It's a positive. And then he said, that's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. And I, you know, I always, so he, he starts by saying, God gives us grace. He gives us more grace. Yeah. I think that scripture is saying that beyond saving grace, you know, that we get from God, he gives us more and more grace. We need grace right. and mercy every day. But, but he makes the point of saying that he gives favor to those who are humble. But he doesn't not bless the proud. It says he resists them. Or another version would say he opposes them. And I wonder, I wonder sometimes if these moves of God that we seek to happen, that we think that they're not happening because God is quiet, but maybe it's because God's opposing us. Maybe God's mm-hmm. opposing our pride. And, it's um, scary, isn't it? And I, it is scary yeah. because... I, I can think of that externally, but then I think of it internally, and it's very convicting. Yeah, yeah, this totally is. The um, <clears throat> the outcome of this then is is not um, you have reduced yourself to uh, inability to function as I intended you to do. It's like okay, so you're so humble now that you can no longer multiply and bless and subdue and build my kingdom and expand it. It's like you're so humble you just sit in a chair now all day and cry right. over grief of your own soul. It's, it's, but, but, but there's a, <clears throat> verse 7 of, of back to Philippians 2. Um, it said, But he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born of the likeness of men. Uh, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Now, again, we have to be careful. That balloon thing is like, okay, I'm going to humble myself so that... Right. And now you got the balloon up here saying, like, look, I want to get exalted. Right. Uh, so, so we don't do this to say, like, okay, I'm going to try to be humble so that I can be exalted. That's just the opposite, again, of this kingdom, this, this yeast that fills, fits into the new, <clears throat> new kingdom of God. Um, but this, this phrase just stuck out and just drove me crazy. Like, he made him, Jesus made himself nothing. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Gary, if you're willing to make yourself nothing, I'll use you to bring spiritual awakening and revival and move of God um, wherever you go. That, that's, and that's not boasting. That's just that's God's natural form of exalting his word, his work, his way. Uh, it doesn't exalt the, the ambassador, the messenger. No uh, the mes- you know, messenger runs how good are those, the feet of those who bring good news. The messenger brings good news. We won the war. The war's over. Right. People don't go like, thank you for winning the war. <laughs> you know, they, he didn't win the war. He just no announced it. it. So, so <clears throat> the exaltation is I get to, and you get, to, and anybody listening to us today, you get to announce this good news that, that we humble ourselves, having the same mind of Christ. It's in me because of Christ Jesus. I become nothing. And, and that, that brings, that brings, and, and I, I would say in, in closing, this is, unless you have something else to add to, feel free. Um, th- this is one of the characteristics of a generation that's hungry for a revival. They don't want to see boasting and arrogance and self-promotion and look at you, you're the great leader of this move of God. Or, you know, again, that's comparing them to the leaders of this nation who seek their own benefit, their own good, their own blessing. If, if there's going to be a revival and a spiritual awakening, particularly in America in this generation, it's going to be 
when people humble themselves before God, particularly leaders, I would say, uh, where they're not looking to build their own kingdom, they're they're looking to to bless and spread the good news of, of God's kingdom rather than their own. That is, I believe, one of the conditions. It's it's plowing the ground for revival, and and it's it's probably a condition I would say, particularly the young generation is looking for today. Is like, uh, are we part of a community that is willing to um, move the way Christ has into humility. Yes. So yeah. I think, uh, in closing remarks, obviously we, you know, this scripture gets thrown around a lot, but you know, second Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their, heal their land. Um, I think, you know, we could spend a whole podcast on that, but I think sometimes we get caught up in some of those things as the thing, Mm -hmm. but the ultimate purpose of all of this, of the forgiving of sin, of the hearing us from heaven, of, you know, healing our land, we, you know, we, we talk about elements of this all the time, but I think the, the thing that we, we forget sometimes is why we're doing it. Ultimately, it's for the glorification of Christ. And I think that we um, very often, you know, you talk about wanting to be used as a humble ambassador of God, but but are we willing to be used however he wants to use us, whenever he wants to use us for his glory? And I think, um, you know, there's sometimes people want to see God move, but they want to see him move in their church. Uh-huh. You know, if the revival broke down at the church down the street, yeah. are you going to go down there? I, I, and I don't want to get like off on a rabbit trail, but my point is, is it the glorification of God? Is it people returning back to God that we're, that we're excited about? Or is it being used as that instrument? Yeah. I would say many times it's being used. And listen, I'm glad to be used by God. I'm thankful to be used by God by the humble gifts he's given me. But my point is, is you know, when David went out into the field with his sling, you know, and people are like, yeah, I'm going to be a David. David didn't go out there because he wanted to be a David. David went out there because the name of God was being blasphemed, you know? Um, And we could go through the Old Testament and the New Testament and say these sort of things. And I think think that's the, the, one of the missing things is this sort of like, this unyielding love that only comes from intimacy with God, knowing God and wanting God to be known to others. And I think... A person who has that intimacy with God um, prays these prayers with a pure heart and wants to see an awakening and a move of God in whatever form God brings it. Yeah. You know, not not yeah. to get back to the past or not so that your church can grow, but mm-hmm. so that the kingdom of God can come and that people can be, yeah. you know, drawn into God's presence. And then ultimately, so Christ can be glorified in the earth. Yeah, and that can't happen unless you're willing to do what this, what we've been talking about today, willing to become nothing of ourselves, it's it's wanting to become somebody, something significant in your own that that causes you to say, oh, that you know, it's that comparison thing I just talked about. Oh, that, why is that revival starting over there and not with me? And you know, if if you have a hunger for the image of God to be spread throughout the world, then 
you know, whoever he uses to do that. I, I, I do want to be a part of it. There's no question about no it. No doubt but, uh, about it. Yeah. So, well, thanks, Joshua. I think we're off to a good start here on this 12, maybe even be 13-week series uh, as we're talking about marks of a true revival, spiritual awakening, a move of God, and particularly how a young generation is going to want to participate in this and what would cause them almost to reject it because, okay, that's just more man-made garbage. Right. Going to so, so we're going to have a good time. Look forward to it. Thanks for being with us today. I uh, want to encourage you to uh, just examine your heart, to look at this. Are you willing to become nothing? Are you willing to allow yourself to uh, walk and live in humility and into a place then that God can use you as his image bearer to um, subdue, to rule to bring the kingdom of God into new places. We hope that's your heart. We'll be praying for you that it will be. God bless you. Ephesians 6.18 says that we should pray at all times in the spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. If you would like someone at World Challenge to pray with you, visit worldchallenge.org forward slash prayer or call us at one 833 W-C-Praise. Again, that's one W-C-Praise. If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time 